Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, June 7, 2016. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in Chapter 5, How It Works. We'll start out with the last paragraph on page 67, which will be read for context. Then the first paragraph on page 68 will be read and will be the focus of our comments. Today's readers are Melissa G, Diane G, Judy S, Nadia B, and Martha Z. The reference number for Monday, June 6, 2016 is 8804. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Melissa G. to read the 12 steps. Melissa G., your turn. Oh, sorry. I was talking. I'm sorry. Okay. Can you hear me? I hear you now, Melissa G. (laughs) Sorry. Good morning. My name is Melissa G. from Richmond, Virginia. The 12 Steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and become willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11 sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Melissa G. I will now ask Diane G. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, everyone. This is Diane G. from New Hampshire. Grateful to be here this morning on the 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible for those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you so much, and I pass. Thank you, Diane G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature and stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book by starting out for context only with the last paragraph on page 67. Notice that the word fear is bracketed through, it seems to cause more trouble. 
at the top of page 68. Then we will continue by reading and focusing our sharing on the first paragraph on page 68. We reviewed our fears through when it made us cocky, it was worse. I will now ask Judy S. to begin reading. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Notice that the word fear is bracketed alongside the difficulties with Mr. Brown, Mrs. Jones, the employer, and the wife. This short word somehow touches about every aspect of our lives. It was an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of our existence was shot through with it. It set in motion trains of circumstances which brought us misfortune we felt we didn't deserve. But did not we ourselves set the ball rolling? Sometimes we think fear ought to be classed with stealing. It seems to cause more trouble. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. We put them on paper, even though they had no resentment in connection with them. We asked ourselves why we had them. Was it because self-reliance failed us? Self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. Some of us once had great self-confidence, but it didn't fully solve the fear problem or any other. When it made us cocky, it was worse. I'm Judy S. from upstate New York, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, you know, and here are very um, specific directions. And that's what I love about the big book. Um, when I first started, I didn't follow the directions and I didn't get any results. And now that I did follow the directions and continue to do so, I'm getting, I'm, I'm recovered one day at a time. So I reviewed my fears. I, you know, I, and then it says we put them on paper. I found that writing on the paper itself instead of like in a computer or Word document or whatever um, worked. It, there was just something about putting it on paper because I put it on the paper so I could get it out of my head. And when I saw it on the paper and did so the action of writing. I think somebody's um, unmuted. Exactly. So please okay. check your line uh, and make sure you're muted. We hear some background talking. And sorry about that, Judy. Go right ahead. Uh-huh. Sure. So um, so by putting them on paper, it was very powerful because then I could see them and read them and go, oh, goodness, yes, I have fears. <laughs> and I had many of them. Um, and, and many of them didn't have any connection with my resentment because I – um, you know, when we fill up that first, um, that, that the uh, resentment form, or when I did, uh, they had four things. Did it involve fear? And almost all my resentments did. And so I just sort of transferred them over onto this fear form I filled out. But then there were fears that didn't have any connection to my resentments. And that's what they're talking about there, too. That this is the one, these are, now we put them on paper, and then we ask ourselves why we had them. It's like, well, what is causing this fear? What's it about? And it was about that I was relying on myself, and that always failed me. Um, it says, you know, self-reliance was good as far as it went, but it didn't go far enough. And one of my major fears was I'll never be enough. I will never get it right 
I will never do the right thing. You know, I'll always make mistakes. The mistakes I make are so huge and so awful. And so, you know, that was, that was, I lived in that fear that no matter how hard I tried, I'd still never do it good enough or be good enough. And, um, you know, so, so that's, I guess, all I have to say about fear. But um, thank goodness that I did follow the directions, and that is what really, really helped me recover by uh, working these 12 steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Judy S. Who would like to share on that first paragraph on 68? Charles H. I heard, I heard G- Charles H., G- and Janice I did hear M. Bella, mm-hmm. and Larry. I heard Janice M., Thank you. and Larry. Reva P. Reva P. So I'm going to repeat Charles H., Bella, I think it's G, Janice M, Larry K, maybe, Reva P. And were there others who wanted an opportunity to share? Judith R. Judith R. Okay. Charles H., go right ahead. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I thought you said Carol G, so I was like trying to be patient. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so. it's your turn, Charles. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Um, thank you for your service, um, Rebecca. Uh, Charles H, a recovered compulsive reader, just for today. And you know, I I, I just I, I I love this fourth step where it says searching and moral and fearless inventory. Um and, and you know, page sixty eight says we reviewed our fears thoroughly. Um I could tell you I d I didn't throw you know, I used to say stuff like I'm from I'm from Yonkers, I ain't scared of nothing, but I you know, just for today I, I realized that anger is misplaced fear. You know, I could tell you some fears that I've gone through, some fears that I'm gonna go through and some fears that I don't wanna go through. And and that's just because I'm human, right? Like fear of not sharing on the first hour, fear of not being heard, fear of changing, fear of not changing, fear of being dishonest, fear of not being dishonest, right? Um, you know, some of those things have subsided, but some of them things resurface again. And the book tells me, y'all just, somebody just beautifully read it. We, re- we reviewed our fears thoroughly. We don't just go through it one time and say it's thorough because some things come back. They resurface, Right. And we continue to review it. And I like what the, the first speaker said. We put it on paper because we get it out of our minds, and then we share that thing with somebody else and get it up off us. And, and you know, and not jumping ahead, but I am to page 84 in, in step 10. Like, some people get it twisted, like, you know, oh, I've done the fear inventory. All right, what have you done lately? You ain't scared of nothing? Really? You must be an android or something. And, again, like, you know what? Like, fears and goes. I, you know, there's healthy fears that I, I that I keep. Man, I don't want to pick up. I, I'm, I'm in fear of picking up. So I stay here. And I keep it, you know me, I ain't, I ain't one of them humble dudes that I say what's on my mind. You know, I post what's on my mind and when I post it, it's subject to um to people people's opinion. So 
So just know if you're posting something, just just be aware that, you know, like some people post selfies. You know, just be aware, man. Everything ain't going to be go your way. Every comment ain't going to go your way. I lost that fear. I don't really care because at the end of the day, my higher power is the only person judging me, right? Because those who judge don't count. Those who count don't judge. So I'm, I'm, I, I, I still have fear, but when it comes to this program, I'm fearless. Just one day at a time. Thanks. Pat. Thank you, Charles H. Bella. Thank, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Rebecca, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. We reviewed our fears strongly. Wow, it's amazing because this paragraph is exactly what I went through the last few days. So, yes, you know, before the program, I also had fears, but it was, you know, first of all, I was afraid to meet those fears because those fears remind me that I am not perfect, that I am a people pleaser, that whatever I do, it's not enough, whatever I do, it's not good, it's not the right way. I didn't want to talk about them. I didn't want to face them. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that now I live in the program. I live the 12 steps. So first of all, I know and I feel and I live this connection with a higher power that loves me and accepts me. And yes, I have fears because I am human. And it's amazing because, yes, I, I wrote those fears on a paper. I wasn't fear. I didn't have a fear from those fears. You know, it wasn't based on anger or resentment. It was painful. But I wasn't afraid to face them and to write them on the, pa- on the paper and just to meet them and to see that, yes, I have a fear. And thank you, God, today I have the tools to deal with the fears. I don't have to run to the food. Today, I wasn't embarrassed or ashamed to talk about them. I didn't need to be isolated. I was talking about them. I knew that people will not judge me and blame me and not even myself. And thank you, God. Today, I know, yes, I have these fears, not because you know, because I am a bad girl or a bad person or not smart enough or not good enough. It's only for me to be, it's, it's a kind of, to build my, my connection better to God and to know that I am surrounding with love and care, no matter what. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Yes, and good morning to you, Rebecca, and everyone. My name is Janice M. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. We asked ourselves why we had them, why we had the fears. Wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Oh, that's so big for me because that's what I did all my life. You know, me, myself, and I can fix you, can fix me, can fix the world, self 
self-reliance, which means simply I relied so much on myself, my own pride, my own power. You know, um, uh, I, I didn't, I mean, I knew I had limits, you know, limits, but I still tried to get, you know, uh, what I wanted, you know, and it started with food. And, of course, I tried and tried and tried, and, of course, that didn't work. See, because, you know, left to my own devices and anything, I will self-destruct. I will self-destruct, and I have self-destruct because I depended and relied and trusted only me. I didn't trust you. I didn't ask for help, you know, um, that much. So I had to accept first that my have that I have honest limitations. Now, if I have all honest limitations, then how can I get anywhere? <laughs> you know, because um, you know, I'm so uh, finite. But I know one that is infinite, and you know, all of my character defects. You know, separated me from God's will. You know, I never found uh, um, economic, you know, I never found economic security or happiness just doing things myself. It just didn't happen because I, I put that stuff before my spiritual well-being, and that's I put the material before the spiritual, and of course, it never, it never worked. Um, my material values always work. So that's what I was always afraid of. I'm not going to be good enough. I'm not going to get that. And, um, you know, my instincts were, were, were hampered because, uh, gee, what, what if? What if I don't do this? What if my husband dies? What if, you know, I had to, de- I can't depend upon myself because it doesn't work. Having faith, having faith in, you know, in God's will, um, it, you know, really worked for me because when I rely on me, there is no higher power. When I rely on me, there is no higher power. And I always want to control the outcome. <laughs> That's why I was always afraid because I couldn't control the outcome. I had this this fantasy that, oh, yeah, okay, this is going to happen. Or, in other words, well, if I try this food plan, if I try this, this will happen. So I could never trust myself. And it's about time, and I will pass with that. Thanks. Thank you, Janice M. Larry Kay, your turn. Thanks, Rebecca. Larry Kay, recovered uh, compulsive reader. Um, so here we're examining these. Uh, you know, most of my fears um, were, were about what I would call, you know, anticipatory fears. You know, in other words, I, I had an anxious feeling that was caused by my anticipation of some imagined event or situation. And when this anticipatory fear would, would materialize, as it inevitably it would, based on, of course, how I perceived some situation, you know, my physiology changed too. Um, you know, my body would send me signals. And, for example, in, in, in anticipation of, of facing my boss, let's say, it's like, you know, going to see the dentist. For me, my, my body would be flooded with uh, adrenaline, and of course, I would feel horribly uncomfortable. And, and food would be one of the things that would numb that feeling. And for me, usually, I'd, I'd eat after I would meet with that person. And it's like, uh, right? And by the way, sometimes I could muster great self confidence. You know, maybe I can talk myself into uh, feeling better. But but guess what? It didn't solve the boss problem for me or any other fear problem. And the more I tried to rely on me 
to rid myself of those uncomfortable feelings, of this anticipatory fear, you know, to rationalize my way out of feeling afraid, the more I fed the lion, you know, it was a vicious cycle. You know, first I was very hypervigilant. You might be like me. You know, I'm constantly scanning my environment for a threat, right? One that I perceive to be a threat, even if it's not really a threat. And then second, invariably, the, you know, the mind will find something to, you know, something uh, um, to detect, and, and it would. And, and I would use then my crystal ball thinking to anticipate a bad outcome. And then my body would be flooded with that adrenaline and other chemicals to prepare me for that threat. And then I'd eat or I'd lash out at you or both in the face of that threat. And this is repeated over and over. And I might suggest to you, unless we have an entire psychic change, (laughs) we'll continue to be ruled by fear. I know it was for me. So now the fears that I feel, fears come, I'm human. I'm, I'm not a robot. But when the fears come, they're more, they're not anticipatory crystal ball sort of fears that tethered me, that followed me around. They're real fears. You know, the lion jumping out of the cage. You know, they're those types of fears. And that's how the body should respond and how we should respond to those things. But it was through first looking at these, getting them down on paper, and then beginning to examine these, and then, you know, moving through the steps sequentially that we begin to change. And when we change, I've never been the same. I'm not Superman today. I just, I just, uh, my fears are, are, are real fears. They're not those anticipatory fears. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. Reva P., it's your turn. Thank you. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. I am so grateful for this program, and um, somebody just took me or shared, listened to my uh, Step 10 uh, yesterday on fear, so definitely can relate to the fears. Um, I don't think I really understood this part of the inventory process when I started, and um, we sort of bumbled our way through this part, my sponsor and I. But now when I look at this and it says, you know, why do I have fear? Well, for me... The self-reliance is about I have to solve the problem. I have to fix things. I have to make things a certain way because that's what I have to do. So I tried to do that with food. I tried to control the weight. I tried to fix the problem. And the problem got worse and I made a mess. And then I do that in all areas of my life. Fix myself, fix the work. I make things go a certain way, people do a certain things. And for me, my control button, controlling myself and everybody else in life is broken. You know, maybe other people out there, normies can eat one of a cookie and they can manage. I can't. Other people can do a one-year plan, a three-year plan, um, and achieve their goals, I can't do that. Um, it doesn't work because the harder I try, the more of a mess I make and the more unpeaceful I become. So for me, self-reliance is I have to control things. They have to go a certain way. Otherwise, I can't be peaceful. So what this program is teaching me is, you know what, I don't have control, which is terrifying in and of itself. But even if things don't go the way that I think they should go, 
God knows better or my higher power knows better and I'm going to be okay and I can be serene and I can be abstinent and I can be actually happy, joyous and free even if I don't get my way. Um, And that's the kind of thorough abandoning myself completely to this process. Um, So I learned the skill set in this step about how to do that because nothing else works for me. Um, So I'm so grateful for this program. With that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Judith R., it's your turn. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. This is Judith R. in Vermont, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, About fear, in the old days, before we knew how to work the big book and to do resentments, fear, and sex inventory, I don't know about you guys, but I've been in almost 40 years, and we used to do PEGSLAG. That's the acronym for the seven deadly sins. Pride, envy, gluttony, sloth, etc. And what I'm realizing, I have a, a spiritual mentor who says that there are really eight deadly sins and that fear was left off the list because it is so pervasive that we didn't even recognize it. It's just we're so full of fear that we don't even see it. And so that that should have been the eighth deadly sin. And um, I remember all those years trying to figure out how how should we do the fourth step. And so we had all these other ways of doing it besides the big book way. And I'm so grateful that we finally have figured out, at least for a lot of us, one way that works really well. And that's the way that it's spelled out in clear and concise directions in the big book. Thanks. Thank you, Judith R. I will now ask Nadia B. to continue our reading with the second paragraph on page 68, which begins, Perhaps There is a Better Way, and ends with Match Calamity with Serenity. Nadia B. Good morning, everyone. This is Nadia B., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Reader in Connecticut. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Perhaps there is a better way. We think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We are in the world to play the role he assigns. Just to the extent that we do as we think we would, uh, he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity. And uh, I wanted to comment today on, you know, perhaps there is a better way. And it brings me to this, uh, you know, my new sets of principles that I've learned um, in step one, two, three. You know, my old ideas did not work. Um, so, uh, you know, how do I um, now learn to trust God? And I think, you know, when I, when I looked um, on, when I look on my fear inventory, I can, you know, I can clearly see um, that by me having those fears, uh, my life was, you know, totally 
um, ran by fear. You know, my, my um, life was based on fear and obviously my life became unmanageable. So that didn't work. Um, so, you know, remember how I was trying to arrange the world the way I thought, um, you know, the world should be. And, um, you know, in step three, I remember that I offered myself to this power um, that actually just relieved me of the bondage of food. And, um, you know, and today I have this new employer, my creator, uh, uh, whose abilities are infinite, unlike mine, because uh, my, my thinking was, you know, you're not good enough. You're not getting this job. Um, you know, you're not smart enough. You will not get this program. Um, you know, you're not pretty enough. This program is too hard. Um, so, you know, brings me back to the, um, to the principle and what is the opposite of fear? And I think it is courage. And um, it takes courage for me to learn how to trust my higher power and persevere and move on with the rest of the steps so I can learn how to deal with, um, with these fears and trust the power that I just offered myself to. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Nadia B. Who wants to share on this paragraph? I got and I know it's just not a fair thing here because there were others that I didn't I heard Kim G but it's not even who I heard it's who I managed to write down before I forgot so I heard Kim G Melissa R Sharon H Sarah H I believe Chrissy G I think it is Nessa R and Sally A um, I doubt we'll have time for more than seven but um, let's see how it goes. Kim G. Rebecca, you heard Monica before me. Okay, Sally, I'll switch you out. Thank you. Thank you. Now that you mentioned it, I do remember Monica. <laughs> Go ahead, Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. I mean, that just gives me such peace to think of it that way. Infinite, infinite. You know, I always remember this story when I was a kid. My, I'm the oldest of three kids, and my mother, um, it took her five years to get pregnant, and it was a miracle to her. And she just said it was overwhelming joy when she finally had a child. And within a year, she got pregnant with my brother. And she said she went through such angst because she thought to herself, she loves this little girl so much and it consumes her life. How is she ever going to have enough time and love for this second child? How is she going to split the love between these two children? 
And she said the moment she held my brother in her hands, that she realized that love was multiplication and not division. That the more love that she had, the more that she could give. And that's what I think of. You know, I think of the world as finite. I think of the world as, you know, if someone is getting something, then it means there's less in the world for me. But what is true, what is true of my higher power at least, is that it's infinite. That the more love that I give, the more there's love in the universe. The more service that I give, the more that I get back. So why am I so frightened all the time? Because I believe in me, and I am only finite. So that's why there's limited resources in the world. It's like, you know, when you have that pie, and everyone takes a piece of the pie, you're, par- you're upset because there's only a couple slices left for you, and that's of human. That's, that's of, of the world. You know, what I realized as I was going through this process is I had all these ideas of what was going to keep me safe. You know, getting the right boyfriend, having enough money in the bank, getting the right education. And those are all finite human aid, which we learned that we're beyond human aid and there's a solution. And I started to realize the reason I was so afraid is the reason I felt so unsafe was the exact reason that I would put all these things around me to make me safe was why I felt unsafe. You know, I think of the promises on page 83 and 84 where it says fear of people and economic insecurity will leave us. It does not say economic insecurity and people will leave us. It's the fear will because when we actively engage in this process, I can have economic insecurity and it's not going to take me down. I can have to deal with people. I'm a human being and it's not going to take me down. You know, I love the saying, fear is a sure sign that I'm relying on my finite power. Self-reliance is always going to fail me. Pages 60 to 62 of step three tells me what my life is like when I'm relying on finite power. And I'm just going to end with one of my favorite promises in the big book on page 100 when it says, follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances are. My world does not need to change in order for my experience to change because once I stop relying on self and rely on the infinite God, I will find peace. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Melissa R. Did I hear a Melissa R. You wanted to share, or did I get that wrong? Hmm. Okay, I might have made a mistake there, so Sharon H. is next. Good morning, Rebecca, and thank you for your service. And this is Sharon H., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado by God's Grace. And I just wanted to comment, too, on that uh, sentence. Perhaps there is a better way, we think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. And it just takes me back to what we began to learn, uh, as I understand it, when on page 66 it says, we turn back to the list again. This was regarding all of our resentments. For it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. And the entirely different angle, and perhaps there's a better way, is allowing ourselves to see these old belief systems and old behavior patterns 
that continued to plague us and and cause us to live in the bedevilments on page 52 were a result of being rooted in self-will rather than trusting and relying on infinite God who has the power that I don't have. And I can graciously receive that power and be uh, able to have this new way of life, this new way of thinking, and uh, it begins with the process of, of looking honestly of how I used to see life and how I viewed it, and therefore I lived most of my life in those four things we have to look at in the inventory, selfish, self-centered, self-seeking, fearful, and dishonest. And so this has meant so much to me because I lived in fear. And I, too, didn't know I lived in fear. Um, I tried to put this facade on that was the complete opposite of that, but deep down inside. And I always, um, because I was so fearful and thought I had to make my life work with the little puny will that I had, um, of course I was fearful most of the time. And so I'm just so grateful that we learn to humbly rely on this higher power, God. I choose to call him God. And he's the one that gives me the ability to enable to match calamity with serenity. And I'm just so grateful for that. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Rebecca. Thank you, Sarah H. Was it Sarah H or Sarah W? Who's next? It was Sarah W. Oh, I got the last initial wrong. Hi, Sarah W. Go right ahead. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. Uh, This is Sarah W., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Um, Just to to the extent that we would do as we think he would have us and humbly rely on him, does he enable us to match calamity with serenity? Um. You know, I haven't spoken for a few days. I um, I had a partial mastectomy on Friday the 3rd, and um, I'm recovering. And I'll know my results on Thursday as far as the lymph node. And Of course, I've had pain and really tried to find some balance. And the thing that comes to me about this reading and about fear is Um, I made a commitment with the third step, and I continue to make that commitment every morning when I wake up, uh, and that I walk with a higher power all the time now, and that whatever I walk through, that I have this infinite, wondrous, awesome higher power that, that I'm never alone anymore. And that although the fellowship can um, can be a resource and can be a source of um, support and love, that people don't have that infinite higher that inf- infinity about them. They don't have that ability to be there always for me. And and that I have to accept the fact that you know my husband may love me and want to be there for me. All these people may love me and want to be there for me, but they can't be what I need them to be. But God is all big and all powerful, and that doesn't mean that I'll get my way. That doesn't mean that things will work out the way I want them to. But I can have a calm in the midst of the storm. What a wonderful, fantastic way to live. 
It really is. And the food is not the solution to my problems anymore. You know, I have this way of life that I can live. I can do a 10 step. I can share with somebody about my anxieties or fears, which are real. And the last thing I want to say is when I cross the street, I have to look both ways. So I have to take an active part in things. I have to think about what I'm doing because there is danger. I have to take an active part in my cancer. So this is an action step also. Not only writing it down, but also being willing to humbly rely on my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. Thank you, Sarah W. Chrissy G. Hi, I mean, hi, Rebecca and Sarah and everybody else. It's Chrissy G., recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. I, I think about this and I think, I think about the fact that I used to live in, in a state of unsatisfied demands, like it says in the book, and that was always a recipe for irritability, restlessness, and discontent, and lots of fear, lots of fear, um, and, 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 and fears like little cousins, like um, uh, paranoia, and negative projection, and catastrophizing, and all of those fun activities I used to participate in and and now today is a different it's a different life i i have my my thinking has been rearranged because of this process and i think of i think of my my day my future as something that is supplied to me that i avail myself to by working this step by keeping certain simple attitudes towards my creator and and I avail myself to his his blessings, which don't always look like blessings, but I have a core belief and and an abstinent sober reference point to look back and say, yes, when my daughter, when I thought it was the end of the world, when my daughter got her legs burnt, it there was it was a time of beautiful blessings and healings and lessons and. And and all and my divorce being the catalyst for so many beautiful things that happened in my life. So I could know that it's true what was said in the program all my life growing up in 12-step programs that we get what we need but not what we want. And we, and we realize that what we get is what we wanted all along. You know, I, I, I am... I guess long enough of the program to realize that I don't always know what's best for me, and I tr- I have a trust in a higher power that that He does, and with that I pass. Thank you, Chrissy G. Nessa R. Hi, good morning. Uh, this is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto. I too like the promise. Uh, page 100, um, because this process highlights that my way of doing things um, usually gets me the opposite of what I want. What I want is happiness, serenity, peace of mind, 
and see if it says clearly. Um, because we realized that the things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. So when I do things God's way, um, things are not much better for me. Step four um, shows me how messed up my thinking is. And as long as I continue thinking this way, I'm going to be blocked off from God, you know, who is my solution. So if I hold on to my resentments and my fears, um, I will not allow God to direct my thinking despite the decision that I made in step three um, to that effect. So, you know, here, self-reliance totally fails me. You know, um, I trust myself to be able to get me to where I want to go. But as I said before, you know, it's usually um, the opposite that happens. And it's because I'm trying to control that which is not for me to control. I'm trying to do God's job. And, and, and it's, by definition, that's impossible. I'm trying to control people, circumstances, and outcomes so that life can meet my specifications. And I really got to stop doing that. You know, step shows me, sorry, my dog is in the background barking. Um, step shows, shows me, you know, why, why? I mean, step show, both shows me the evidence that no matter how hard I try, happiness that way is not within my reach. Happiness for me and peace of mind and serenity is only possible when I leave God's work to God and I just simply focus on the role that God has assigned me, and I pass. Thank you, Nessa R. Monica, are you available? Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive over here in, in Florida. Thank you, Sally. I'd just like to do a little review of these two paragraphs here and, ex and exactly what we are being told to write in our fear inventory. We reviewed our fears thoroughly. So where do these come from? You remember back on in the turnarounds there, you answered, how am I selfish, dishonest, what are you frightened of? And I was told, there's your list of fears. Go back and write down every single fear that you wrote there and there's your list. We put them on paper, so I'm writing this down again. We asked ourselves why we had them. Where did this come from, Monica? Well, a lot of my fears originated in my childhood. And so that's what I wrote. It originated in my childhood. Short, sweet, and simple. Here, a couple of senses. Don't need a whole bunch. Or the first time I felt the fear and so I didn't know where it originated. And wasn't it because self-reliance failed us? Well, how did I try to cope with this fear what did I do you know like for example one fear was um, you know don't ask stupid questions so I always had this fear of looking stupid or dumb you know I didn't want to do that at all so how did I cope with that you know well I was my goal to be an A plus student also eating was a was a way of, of trying to cope with a lot of fears well how did that work for you well it didn't you know I got over 200 pounds. And now in this paragraph, they're saying to us, we're on the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite, unlimited, never-ending God rather than our finite selves, my limited self. Well, in answering the question before, how did, what did I try to do and how did that work for me, I've learned, you know, my way did not work. So in this one, I was to ask the question, okay, Monica, when this fear shows up, how 
or what would you do differently? If I trust in God, what would he have me be? What would he have me do here? And that's how I would answer this question. And then we're going to get some more specific instructions in the next paragraph of how we write out this fear inventory. And, you know, fear, false evidence appearing real. And I like to definite, uh, I have different words that stand for fear. Anxiety, alarm, agitation, negative imagination, and overwhelmed. And there's more. Negative imagination. You know, not all fears are real. Is it based on reality? You know, it's interesting how we learn some fears from our, pa- from our parents. And um, anyway, I didn't think I was a fearful person, but this brought out a lot for me. And when I trust and rely on God, who can do anything all-powerful, and just put it in his hands, um, it's, it's, it's so much better than what I tried to do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Sally, we have just enough time for you to share if you'd like. Thank you, Rebecca. And um, wow, what a phenomenal meeting this morning has been for me. And I guess really what I, if Sally in South Jersey recovered, I want to just, um, you know, cap this off by saying here we are in this paragraph, perhaps there's a better way. Because my way didn't work. And, you know, we talked about um, so many things. My dependence was on who I was and what I thought I could get done. I was from the Bronx. She was. I mean, I thought that was bad. And um, my maiden name is Leone, as in uh, the land of Corleone in Italy. So I, I learned everything on my genes and my environment. My genes and my, my, my environment. But truth be told, here we see, for we are now on a different basis of trusting and relying upon God. So what are we doing here? I came to this place to lose 100 pounds. Why do I have to talk about this? What is this? You know, this is what some of you might be thinking this morning. I came to lose 100 pounds. What are we talking about here? But the truth is that's what I love about OA. This is what I was eating over. This is the stuff that was going on in my head. And when it talks about being on a different basis of trusting, you know, this world tells me that there are healthy fears. I don't really believe that anymore, that there's a healthy fear on this planet. The truth is the only time I fear is when I want God, I want, there's my willfulness, I want God to align his will with my will. When I pray, God, I want you to do what I want. When I pray, I'm not praying with the idea of I'm going to align my will with God's will, I'm going to surrender the outcome. That's the right way to pray, but that has not been my history. My history was, I want you, God, to do what I want, so I will pray you down. I will pray so hard that you will do what I want, and that's the willful three-year-old in me. So I'm now on a different basis of trusting and relying upon God, and that's the whole bottom line is that I have a problem with my dependence from the get-go. I depended on my children to take care of me in my old age. Since, they were, since the day they were born, I had that plan in place. But meanwhile, God might have a different plan for my old age. And so as we, as we conclude this morning, for myself, I'm so happy to have this, uh, this reminder as I walk into this day, that this day is going to be what God wants it to be. He's going to shape it and mold it, mold it because he's the potter and I'm the clay. And I'm willing to align myself to his plan for my day. And therefore, I don't have any fear going into the day. I surrender it, and it's going to be what he wants it to be. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad.
Thank you, Sally A. And don't you know, it's that time to close. And I want to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Martha Z. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Good morning, my friends in recovery. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from near Philadelphia. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.